United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Cult of Corporation, brought to you by Paul and Andrea from United States of Lead. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss the seemingly cult-like following of corporate power in America. While trying to figure out what to cover this week, I started to ponder what the two key links are between the people and organizations that make up the cult of corporation, and that is the radical supposed Christian identity and identifying with the Tea Party movement. Those seem to go hand in hand with a lot of the organizations and individuals who appear to be a part of this cult. So this week, we are going to take a brief look at the religious origins of the United States and the Boston Tea Party. Well, let's dive into it. All right. So the first thing that caught my eye when I started researching was that many of the founding fathers identified as deists, including Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Madison, and Moreau. Have you heard? I'm sure you have because you know everything. Have you heard of deists before? That's really kind of you to say. Uh... (laughs) Well, especially religion, I feel like you know a lot. Yeah, uh, I do know what deists are. It's a common argument against the church and state. Like, well, you know, they weren't Christian. They were deists. Mm -hmm. But I think in addition to being deists, they were complicated people. Like, they were not a monolith. They were Um, human beings. (laughs) They were. And they They were still... They didn't contradict themselves, though. So when I think of this topic, this is how I frame this sort of like, this, this topic in general is contradictions in perspective. They were deists, but they were also certainly Western focused. They had some pretty bad, you know, we would say problematic opinions about other religions. So even they were talking about other religions, they weren't including those religions. So you mean like the GOP? (laughs) Yes. No, no. And what I'm saying is that I think we might say that these deists were these far left thinkers but they were still grounded in this kind of Christian-based perspective of superiority. Yeah, you know, people try and make that argument of people who are on the radical far right, you know, about Democrats and liberals. And it's like anybody who's a radical extremist on either side, there's nothing good about being so radically polarized that you can't see another person's perspective. Sure. I think at radical extremism on either side isn't good. 
But anyways, circling back to deism, according to Wikipedia, quote, deism is the belief in the existence of God solely based on rational thought without any reliance on revealed religions or religious authority. Deism emphasizes the concept of natural theology. That is, God's existence is revealed through nature, end quote. And after this, I'm starting to think that I might be a deist. Yeah. Yeah. Part of my thing about this is, I, I like this this definition. This notion of it being based on rational thought, I think is also a, something we see in a lot of Western proofs, as mm-hmm. opposed to undefined, unconscious body intelligence, like something you can just feel in your body, like, oh no, I know that there's a power around me that I can just feel in my gut. I can feel it, yep. That's Mm -hmm. not rational, like that's not logical. Being in a circle of people and performing a ritual is not rational, but it's ancient and powerful. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, even like in this kind of definition of, I don't know, inclusion, we're still seeing this like kind of Western superiority. Like this perspective is going to still be better than all the barbarians or the natives or. Mm -hmm. I think, well, from my perspective at its core, I think it's that saying that it doesn't matter which religion you identify with. They all are connected to the same source. I love that idea. I I see a lot of that nowadays where people talk about the source. Like there's a lot of these new age teachers, prophets, if you will, that they talk about connecting to the source. And I think that is exactly what the intention of this, all of these different religions, all are trying to connect to that source. And this just kind of cuts through the middleman yeah. and just focuses on the source of it. I think that's a beautiful notion and one I share in a lot of ways. I think in our discussion, we'll see, at least my perspective is this tends to be about power. And when you and I, if we're living out the the, the notion that we're that we were just discussing, there would be a shared vision of power where everyone would need to be welcome and um, represented. Everyone need to be represented. This is not my phrase. Someone else told me this. I feel like when we're talking about things like this, it, there's a truth that is non-negotiable. Because it's so bigger than us. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's nature. We don't negotiate with nature. It just happens. Yeah. And we have actually, we actually have to learn to accept it. Like that's a part to of. To flow with nature versus we, fighting against it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Bible has a lot of negotiation in it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I. A lot. <laughs> God is like, God's like, oh, well, here's this rainbow. Sorry about that flood. And, um, you know, well, you know what? God was a pissed off parent. God was like a very unstable, like <laughs> patriarchal, abusive dad. Right. Way yeah. too much. Like drunk on power, if you will. But he was like, I fucking told you not to do this. Like that kind of guy or woman, you know, moms can be that way too. But like a very domineering parental figure who wants the best for their child, but their child just won't fucking listen. Like because that's what you I didn't get invent God. us to listen. <laughs> We're supposed to have the guidance from the parent. Right. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Don't eat that tree. What yeah, does that tree was... do? It tells you what the difference is between good and evil. And the other <laughs> one helps you live forever. Oh, so I don't know good and evil. Okay, so I'm going to eat that tree. So funny. Yeah, every time like there's, you know, those stories from the Bible, it's just, and especially now being a parent, 
having an expectation of a human who doesn't know any better from somebody who does know better and just assumes that they should know better. Like that's really the vibe that I get from Bible God. I am not a parent and I just know from working with people, it's actually my fault for a while before it's anyone who's working for me's fault because I have not trained them correctly. If I put them on something, I need to know that they know how to do it and then yeah. support them in what they're doing. Actually, one of our, <laughs> our old managers at Rock Bottom, I remember he gave me this advice for work with mm-hmm. training and being like the closing server. And it was that three strike rule. And I use this with parenting too. He's like, you but- always give people three strikes because you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, okay, like I noticed that you did this. Hey, just to let you know, like we don't do that. You see it again. Hey, remember when I told you we can't do that? And then the third strike's like, listen, I told you that progression really is important. Yeah. And maybe God did do the three strike rule with some people and they just wouldn't listen and he got super angry. (laughs) But anyways, what we were actually talking about, though, is that God being a natural law, God is nature. God as nature, God as as like. (laughs) I've heard the phrase, the church of nature, where you oh. both celebrate and learn and appreciate. Uh, appreciate absolutely that nature. But I think you can't negotiate with it. There's a power structure that you're flowing with. Mm-hmm. And when I hear about the founding fathers, even though they have this beautiful notion of the divine, I, yeah. I think in practice we see just as destructive as... Um, puritanicalism and then oh yeah and then there's also i think there's a natural flow from that to the gop christianity that we see today where it's really about they're like the puritans aren't they well i think more than it being a puritan is i mean if uh, if puritan if the gop mm -hmm. radical christians Mm -hmm. were back then you know someone asked me a little while ago like I don't think puritanism puritanism is really a thing. I mean, like it's just they're Protestants. like well, so they were like name an important Puritan thinker or document, and I was like stunned. I was like, well, it's a little difficult to do. Uh, I mean, there's John, what's his face, uh, Wiley, and my point with that was like it's not like baptism or Protestantism. Like we can point to Martin Luther, but that behavior of abstracting like deeply abstracting the pieces of a religion to to fortify a very strict sense of power and perspective i think that is a more of an american tradition than it is a religious one where we need we need things to to, yeah yeah sort of there's a tiktok and to me it makes the most sense of who or what God is, and it connects to this deism. Um, sure. I'll have to find it, but I don't remember how they asked, but they hypothesized, what if God is water? And this it's this guy who responds to this, like stitches it and says like how it makes sense because it's above and below. Mm-hmm. It rises, you know, and it's within it us. It is everything. Us. I saw that TikTok, yeah. It makes so much fucking sense. God is indifferent, but God is whatever it is in that area. I'm like, holy shit. And then I think about how much we pollute the water. Mm-hmm. And polio's in the fucking water in New York. Crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Did you send that to me? 
I did. And then okay. like, I and like, then, like I hear about that? <laughs> well, I was going to just like, you know, chat with you about it someday. But uh, and then like the last second of that TikTok was like, oh, yeah. And 40 percent of the pipes are made of lead. <laughs> I got to say that was 40 percent of the pipes are made of lead. Fucking assholes. God. Like, I have said this. Yeah, please do. Back to deism. Quote, deism as a distinct philosophical and intellectual movement declined toward the end of the 18th century, but had its own revival in the early 19th century, end quote. It is worth noting that there are still those who advocate for it today, and I might start being an advocate for it, to tell you the truth. And like I said, I really feel like a lot of those people on YouTube, you know, who talk about source energy and connecting to source, I really think that they'd be classified as deists. They never bring up religion. Mm-hmm. It's always just connecting to source and working with source. Mm-hmm. And also from AmericanProgress.com, quote, this belief in reason over dogma helped guide the founders toward a system of government that respected faiths like Christianity while purposely isolating both from encroaching on one another as to not dilute the overall purpose and objectives of either, end quote. So that's funny, too, is because like it was what you were saying of the far right says about religious freedoms, but only Christian religious freedoms. (laughs) They're always talking about being persecuted as Christians. And you look around and it's like, no, you're not. (laughs) And so that really is like the it really gives me Puritan vibes. Like how much of it is internalized projection? I don't know. It's just I just find that amusing. That to me is like, oh, respecting all faiths like Christianity or you mean Respecting all faiths, specifically Christianity, (laughs) because they do talk about that, though. I cannot see how the founding fathers were, are the names that you mentioned, sitting around a table, writing uh, writing the Constitution or, you know, signing the Declaration of Independence. They had Christianity in their minds. They were not thinking about Islam. I'm I'm just not buying They bring up different religions, though. In the Declaration of Independence? In the talks, I read. Okay. And one of the sources I have, they like bring up not just Christianity, you know, and like saying like, this isn't just about being Christian, it's being whatever. I think that we had some very smart people and I think we had some good hearted people um, that happened to own slaves at the same time when they were confronted with some truths that mm-hmm. they were amenable to a, a larger discussion Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble believing that there was just this big hearted, big open door perspective on religion with the founding fathers. I think it was. I wouldn't say it's big hearted. I think it's more that some of them really did believe I, in this deism, but not really getting what that actually means to do that. So I think people you know, were, were. I think they had a belief in rationalism and wanted to. They wanted to make sense. Questions popped up. People were like, yeah, no, I guess that too. Yeah. Yep, I guess that too. The real source or the real weight that has carried down is this reification of using Christianity as a tool for defining power in America. Well, let's get to James Madison for a second. Quote, if the founders were dogmatic about anything, It was the belief that a person's faith should not be intruded upon by the government and that religious doctrine should not be written into governance. 
James Madison, for instance, was vigorously opposed to religious intrusions into civil affairs. In 1785, when the Commonwealth of Virginia was considering passage of a bill to, quote, establish a provision for teachers of Christian religion, end quote, Madison wrote his memorial and remonstrance against religious assessments, in which he presented 15 reasons why government should not become involved in the support of any religion, end quote. Even there, he's calling bullshit, you know, and this is the beginning. So like, just how you said, you know, like, every religion, blah, 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 blah. And then people are like, yeah, but let's get these teachers of Christian religion, you know. <laughs> I think it's a lot like what we're seeing on a smaller scale back then. There are people who are like, listen, man, if we're going to do this, we got to do this. And That's, people, exactly. You know, and yeah. then we, people who are like, I mean, we can say that, but let's make sure our people are, you know, secured. In. I think it comes back to power as we have moments yeah. like, this is a wonderful notion. One, I don't know the word Ramon. I love oh, that. Uh, like, yeah, oh my God. I think. Remonstrance? I'm going to Google it. I'm pretty sure I can figure out what the word means, but man, that is just old timey. I love it. And this is, this is it. Like, like, just like you were saying, or like we were talking about where, nope, if we're going to do this, we got to do this. And uh, what you're saying and what you're proposing doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like and, if we're saying no religion, no religion, that includes Christianity. That's what he's saying. It's like, that's not that Christianity is above and everything else is below. Mm -hmm. It's no religion. <laughs> Remonstrance is a forcefully reproachful protest. I love it. It's just so sassy. I love how sassy they were with their words back. I want to, I want to get more words in my vocabulary like that to just be a dick. You know who um, sassy big talkers are? Just, I'm just throwing this total side note. Deadwood. Oh, I'm, God, I miss that. Those guys are sassy talkers. I want to watch that. When Ruby's old enough, I'm going to make her watch that. I'm sure I know that up. she can hear swear words and not repeat them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not going to be until she's a teenager that she watches that. <laughs> it's like next week. All right, kid. Let's learn about the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we're bringing this up, obviously, is because the cult of corporation and how they have their power, like we heard in the internal tobacco documents that were released, it's spreading misinformation. And if you spread uh, yeah. enough misinformation, nobody knows what to believe. And so that's why it's important for us to get back to these things so that we actually do know. Like you said, like it's messy. There were people who were strictly, okay, this is separate. We got to write it in. And people are like, yeah, but like we could, we could throw some Christianity in there. You know, there's this concept that they were all on the same page when all this stuff was established. I really dig that misinformation notion. One of the things we were talking about in the last episode is like that bite model with behavior control and information control and thought control and uh, emotional control being mm -hmm. ways of, of identifying cult, cults and cult-like behavior. And mm -hmm. But one that I really still gravitate towards is uh, to keep people from outside information. This is the only thing that you need. Something and is defunding public education. Interesting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's always the Constitution. Christianity is not in the Constitution. God is. Yeah. But as we just brought up, the whole purpose of that is not Christian God, but just entity God. Were there people that did want it to be Christian God? Of course. Always this idea of like, it's only this. 
like mm-hmm. the founding fathers were this. It's like you're acting as if they were just this hunky dory group of dudes that all believed in the same stuff. Like, did they have some beliefs that they all identified with? Sure, but it was more messy than their agenda, like the far right GOP of their understanding of what, or honestly, anybody's understanding of what this country was to be truthful about it. But at the end of the day, it was supposed to be like, in God we trust, it wasn't Jesus's dad, God we trust, you know, it's like, or even Jesus himself. Well, I think that that term came around in the 50s when we were fighting in a Cold War and we need to reify ourselves as Americans. And then the people in power were like, you know how we do that? You know how we mm-hmm. assert American values is in God we trust. Like the so, family? Like, so that's what I, so the, <laughs> again, what I'm trying to point out is like, People I, think, I think what you're the material the that family. You, if you want to watch a scary movie, watch the family. It's just that it's a cudgel. It, people end mm-hmm. up using it as a way to assert a specific perspective or a specific way of using power as opposed to a tool or bridge to reconnect us or deepen our connection to something larger than ourselves. There's always going to be people that are addicted to power. Mm-hmm. Like addiction comes in a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. It ties back to manifest destiny too. Sure. Where some people just have this urge, <laughs> you need to see how I see things. And yes. even growing up with like history class, it's like there's always this notion of like this unified bubble, if you will, and not thinking that everybody didn't have their own personal agendas. Oh, did you hear, by the way, too, that some like radical Christian group is trying to do a Hamilton? Or that not trying to, but they they redid Hamilton, but made it like anti-Semitic or something crazy. There's always just a countdown clock with anything like that before it gets anti-Semitic. I mean, you can't be weird Christian and <laughs> and not think the Jews did it. It's so it's it's so pathetic and so um, crazy. Also, spoiler: Jesus was a Jew. Yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> there are no white people jo- in yes, the Bible. But was but was was he Jewish? Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, the King of the Jews. Yeah. No white people in the Bible. It's crazy. I know. White, <laughs> white Jesus is so funny. Who's the first person to depict white Jesus? I want yeah, to know that. Say, I think they say it's Leonardo da Vinci popularized it. Okay. But I, I'm i speaking out of my, my yeah, behind but on that it, one. It makes sense. I, I think I've heard that. There's also this really funny, it's a meme of a picture of Mary and Jesus. And Jesus, when he's older, like a teenager. And he's like clearly talking to Mary and Joseph's in the back. And it's this like bubble and it's Jesus going, mommy, where do babies come from? And then Joseph's in the back going, yeah, Mary, where do babies come from? <laughs> yeah. It's like my favorite meme. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. It's like, even that. But think about it. Think about where Mary was. She gets pregnant mm-hmm. out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to her? She's going to get stoned to death. Mm-hmm. people not having the choice to be free to do you know what they want to do and it's like i just think about like the forced birth now and these girls getting hunted down and persecuted and tried for doing something that should be legal for them to do what they want with their body wow i hadn't thought of that That's i always a... try to do that with like mythological yet historical figures because the myth is created throughout time okay so what would happen nowadays put yourself in her shoes You'd have to make, if you didn't want to die, you'd have to make up some crazy story. 
off the tangent that was nothing. It well sort of to do with what we're talking about because that still happens today. I don't know. But, I would watch that movie. I'd watch that play. Jesus's mom convincing because she convinced she would have to have convinced Joseph. I also think Joseph could have been in on it though. I don't know if it's about necessarily convincing Joseph that there was an angel more so as Joseph's like, yeah, we can do this. Cause then Joseph dies and then she marries another Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. Who is well, scandalous. How did Joseph die? I don't know. I don't Poison know. Poison tea. <laughs> Some wormwood. He was a carpenter. So maybe um, he said he was cool with it. And then he's like, you know what? I can't do this. She does marry a richer person. Joseph of Arimathea was a merchant and well off, has mm-hmm. several kids after that. Interesting. See, I don't know this shit. There needs to be a Mary movie. It's a big book. It's just also, a big book. <laughs> and there's really so much. Book. And like, there yeah, you can't Mary remember movie. it all either. You just can't. Hollywood, give us some money to develop a Mary movie. Yeah. Just call it Mary movie. Mary movie. No CGI religious mythological stuff, but just this woman and her life. I want uh, that'd to be it. weird. I'd watch that. Cool. Well, I might have to start researching. Well, not right now. Clearly, I have time. <laughs> it's, on my, it's like number 47 on my list of things to do. Okay. Now, George Washington himself stated, quote, the government of the United States is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion, end quote. I just feel like I need to write that when people start to bring up that whole radical Christian view and like bringing church back into politics. And that's where it belongs. No, it doesn't. (laughs) The first fucking president clearly stated it does not belong there. And so when Marjorie Taylor Greene and those people say that, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It just shows how effective misinformation is. And from somebody who said that the gazpacho police, you know, seems pretty clear that They wouldn't be down with how some people are using their positions of political power. Speaking of Jesus, actually, this ties into that. Mm. Makes me want to make t-shirts that say WWFFD. What would the founding fathers do? Like, what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. Or like even having a site that has, you know, like, what would the founding fathers, like with people when they come up with this ridiculous misinformation and like, well, what would the founding fathers do? Because that's who you supposedly believe we're supposed to be following as like the origin of the country and getting back to the origins of the United States. I don't think I told you this too. Did I tell you my idea for an app trademark where you have the key players of misinformation and a catalog of all of their contradictions? You can go to this place, copy and paste. These people have no problem spending so much time to spread this stuff. And it'd be so nice to have a resource where you can just look up Mitch McConnell. And like, he's saying this, oh, really? Because this is what Ted Lou, representative Ted Lou tried to do that with Candace Owens. And, uh, man, I really admire that. Like, so he, they were in some kind of testimony and she gave her testimony. And then I think his response was just like trying to play YouTube videos through his mic of her saying the opposite of what she was yeah. saying. Yeah. I really admire that approach, but it did, not co- it, it did not come off well. I really appreciate I his mean, attempt, but like- He did that he picked, in court? He did it in session, in congressional session. I don't mind it. I think, I love it. Like when someone says like, hey, have you heard uh, what this person said about- Why didn't it go over well? Why slay, uh, he picked really bad 
videos. He didn't make the connections he should have been making. This is oh. not fault. I'm not faulting him and saying like he, he there's a failure. I th- I really appreciate the approach. I've only seen this a handful of times, and the one that sticks out is a Dutch reporter asking an American lawmaker about something like, "Hey, have you seen this video and whatever, whatever." of this person saying like, I don't know, slaves are really not that bad or something like that. And they'll always say the same thing, which is like, you know, I haven't seen the video, so I really can't comment on it. He's like, oh, let me pull it up. Here it is. Mm-hmm. You, you wanna watch it? It's, it's 34 seconds. You Then you can tell me like, oh, I don't have time to, to watch this video. And they stick around mm-hmm. for like six minutes saying how they don't have time to <laughs> watch a 34 <laughs> second video. And then the other idea is like, how do you have a job where you're dealing with the public and you haven't seen this salacious video? Like They're that all is just trash. malarkey. <laughs> so yeah, I'm totally down for your app. I, I know it's part. like, I don't have the time to do it. It's not, you know, taking quotes, but actual video footage. Sure. Cause that's where it's like, yeah, you can put a quote. Like it's like that one, um, that meme with Prince where it's like, somebody else's quote and then it says it's like Jimi Hendrix or something like just to show like how you know you could put a quote to anybody's picture but it doesn't mean it's true actual footage I think would be effective there's an app developer out there just give me a cut going back to all that contradiction and I found this very interesting worth noting that deistical thinking existed since ancient times but it did not develop as a movement until after the scientific revolution end quote So this makes me think about all that distrust that people have of science from the misinformation that the cult of corporation spread for people to not trust and the scientific community. The basis of the founding of this country is based off a movement that picked up with the scientific revolution. We should really be embracing scientists, the scientific community, scientific evolution, and the people behind this so-called Tea Party movement, getting back to the origins of the country, are against it. So we've talked about the basis of founding the United States government, and again, that it was supposed to always be a separation of church and state. Actually, I forgot about this too in the news, how they're trying to fund Christian teachers again like actually I can't believe I didn't bring that up when we were talking about how they wanted to slide that in of religious Christian teachers that now they're trying to get funding for Christian teachers in the public schools to like teach Christian doctrine and it's like literally exactly what they said in the beginning they don't want so yeah I can't believe I I did not yeah I did not know that specifically I feel like it was like a week or two ago. It's okay. like Kentucky or Missouri or it always is. I know. <laughs> but and it'll be Wisconsin. Let's not let's be truthful. Wisconsin will be soon. Please, please, everybody, if you're in Wisconsin, vote for Governor Evers to stay in office and vote Ron Johnson out with Mandela Barnes. Okay, but let's rewind quick and talk about the Boston Tea Party because that is an integral part of how things really took off. <laughs> My brief memory of learning about the Boston Tea Party was Americans got angry at the British government for having to pay taxes on tea and that they threw a bunch of tea into the water. Now, as an adult thinking like, wow, that's just really a fucking waste of tea. Couldn't you have done something else? It is important to note that the 342 chests of tea that were dumped into the harbor 
were from the British East India Company. So it was a very specific merchant, if you will, tea that was dumped. Just who are the British East India Company? Well, they just happen to be, quote, one of the biggest, most dominant corporations in history, unquote. So here we're going to bring back that hypocrisy of today's Tea Party movement with the Tea Party movement origins. I kind of want to start a tally of the hypocrisy for how the supposed Tea Party compares to the actual Boston Tea Party. They will say how they are against taxes in general, but while also taking money from the corporations who they should really have a strong distaste for. That's my biggest issue. Modern day. Biggest issue I have. So we're going to get back to the British East India Company in another episode because there's a lot to it. But the main fact is that they were one of the biggest, most dominant corporations in history. Okay. So back to the Tea Party. They were clearly pissed about paying taxes, but it's important to note, quote, the country was income tax free in its infancy. That's because there was no federal government established at the time. Instead, colonists had to deal with the British government, which imposed a variety of taxes on the colonists, including a head tax, real estate tax, and the infamous tea tax that led to the Boston Tea Party, end quote. And one that I remember learning about was the Stamp Act. I don't know like why that really sticks out in my head, but from school, that's like the main one that I remember learning about. That tickles my memory, but I don't remember it. Yeah, like it pops in my head and I remember Mm -hmm. learning about it, but then I was like, okay, let's go through it. As History.com explains, the Stamp Act, quote, taxed colonists on virtually every piece of printed paper they used, from playing cards and business licenses to newspapers and legal documents. The Townshed Act of 1767 went a step further, taxing essentials such as paint, paper, glass, lead, and tea, end quote. So I just had to throw that one in there because it's tied in lead. Oh, yeah, no, that's solid. It's like, okay, well, we can get money from this. What else can we get money from? Quote, the British government felt that taxes were fair since much of its debt was earned fighting wars on the colonists' behalf. The colonists, however, disagreed. They were furious at being taxed without having any representation in Parliament, and they felt it was wrong for Britain to impose taxes on them to gain revenue, end quote. And honestly, that lack of representation is bullshit. And it makes me wonder if they would have just given them representation, would that have changed things dramatically? I don't know. Easy to theorize, because I remember that was the big, like, no taxation without representation. Like, I remember that, too, learning that. And it's like, man, like, what if they would have just given them a little piece? (laughs) When I read, I don't know enough about this, but I remember in college reading the Declaration of Independence. I, I had never read it. And until then, and then I was really blown away by how much it talks about naval shipping agreements. And this is just a bitch list of weird logistics gripes. And Mm -hmm. this was not about like freeing a nation. This was not about making the lives of of the citizens better. It was about Mm -hmm. getting your slice of the cheese. Yeah, and those taxes not actually going to social things, but just going to line the pockets of people in power, which sounds they extremely were con- familiar. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they were, yes, yeah. There are concerns of, I don't, there's a shoeshine person who did not care about a lot of these things, so. Yeah. <laughs> in May 1773, quote, British Parliament passed the Tea Act, which allowed British East India Company to sell tea to the colonies duty-free and much cheaper than other tea companies. 
but still tax the tea when it reached colonial ports, end quote. So, huh. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's that's awesome. It's, they were Amazon. <laughs> sure. The British East India Company is Amazon. Yeah, and they quartered like, the market. Dude, not only do they quarter the market, but like, it's so amazing to see their establishment in India and the way that they operated. I mean, that's why I'm like, we really have to get into, it's not for this episode, but holy shit, it's so telling. Now, quote, tea smuggling in the colonies increased, although the cost of the smuggled tea soon surpassed that of tea from British East India Company with the added tea tax, end quote. So they were like, all right, we'll find a way around this, you know, which... I mean, I don't necessarily blame them, but quote, still with the help of prominent tea smugglers such as John Hancock and Samuel Adams, who protested taxation without representation, but also want to protect their tea smuggling operations, colonists continued to rail against the tea tax and Britain's control over their interests, end quote. So wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm, okay. Yes. So... They're smuggling. I just want to make sure I get this right. Yep. They're smuggling tea. Yes. From other merchants. From non-East Indian from company non- merchants. Yes. And the tea gets in the country. And then are they paying a tax on the smuggled tea? No, they have their own thing going. Because so, that's how they're getting away from paying the tax. Yeah. So John Hancock yeah. and Samuel Adams are like, listen, guys, like we, we, we'll get our own tea. Fuck these guys. So then there are other people who are smuggling tea or like dipping in on this whole underground tea racket and sam adams and john hancock are like nah this is our it's like bootlegging yeah yeah so (laughs) well not only that but they get upset when the british east india company is gonna encroach on their so they start making some good money right they got a good deal going on and people are like oh but wait like it's it's not that bad i'll just because this tea is way better i'll just no fuck that shit you know, because like it's like you're getting into my money now. So it just shows how that, you know, that might have been a big indicator. It was about their personal agenda in a well, sense. This just reeks of American under the mask. What, what's under it? the mask of something for the people. Oh, completely. This you is like, honestly, this is Trumpism. This is like I've never seen such presidential harassment. Oh, if they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. Like, yeah. Wh- <laughs> We're gonna get to him too. So also, did you know, quote, it took nearly three hours for more than 100 colonists to empty the tea into the Boston Harbor. The chest held more than 90,000 pounds or 45 tons of tea, which would cost nearly $1 million today. That is so much fucking tea. That is so much fucking tea. Tea is light. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever held a tea bag before. <laughs> and uh, that's not a clandestine operation no like the story is like three people sneaking onto a boat and throwing over a couple barrels yeah and what's funny is most of those people almost all of them are anonymous or unknown like there was one guy that ended up getting tried and like going to prison probably executed but we do know like hancock and adams were at the top of this and so we're benedict arnold which we'll get to and paul revere which we'll get to but the majority of these people were teenage and in their 20s. They were all kids. Yes, white boys. Yeah. So you're watching that um, that Woodstock. Yes, that was them. <laughs> they no, just wanted to listen to corn. If they were... <laughs> they were there for corn. They wanted to listen to corn, you guys. <laughs> God. 
if there would have been some fucking tea and like a pond, they yeah, they would have done it. Holy shit. Yes. If you haven't watched the Woodstock documentary, people, please, for the love of God, watch it on Netflix. That is who they got to do this. I mean, and obviously connecting it to another recent event, but it's getting these other people to do your bidding for your personal agenda. Wow. Hancock and Adams had a good thing going on with this tea smuggling business. They're like, we can take care of that. Fuck the government, even though we are the government. Anyways, so... Also, did not know that there was a second tea party. Did you know this? I, I, this is so new, 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 new. That's what's happening right now. I love it. So, quote, a second Boston Tea Party took place in March 1774 when around 60 Bostonians boarded the ship Fortune and dumped nearly 30 chests of tea into the harbor, end quote. So not as many, but. Right. But still, like, I'm totally, I just don't know how much a chest is anymore. Like, it's, yeah. it's clearly so much larger than I would have ever expected. Oh, yeah. When I read how many tons that was, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So also a reminder, everybody, all of our sources are linked with each episode. Going back to that, one of the only known people to orchestrate the Boston Tea Party was Paul Revere. And all I remember of Revere from school was that he was the person who ran around on his horse telling everybody that the British were coming. So Paul is all, fuck this tea. We are paying taxes for this shit. Fuck the British monarchy, right? Okay. But he was also a federalist and was like, fuck yeah, we need a strong centralized government so that we can tell people what to do. And does that not sound familiar to today? (laughs) And so it's just that idea of like, you know, when you learn history in school, you're just learning that what, like, I just learned like British are coming and oh, he helped us. The American militia, which weren't called a militia either. They were just colonists, but they were a militia. And warning them to get ready, you know? So just another reminder that the basis of all of this, which Paul has theorized, is not being able to be told what to do while telling other people what to do. And that is connected from way back then to today. That contradiction with Paul Revere and himself, that is it. The British monarchy can't tell me what to do, but we need to set up something where we tell everybody what to do. Like, what? Hmm. <laughs> These are really crazy connections. I, I should say that I I feel like there's many other people that have made that theory. I don't I don't oh, think God, yeah. have made it, but uh, <laughs> no. yeah, no, it, that's this is I, and I don't know why we do that. Why do we have these like storybook hour, baby time pop up pop up version stories about? our history or and our religion like i don't know how much like we have stories about noah's ark that are just like cartoonish and the same thing with paul revere oh yeah he just rode rode he rode around and told people to protect themselves i didn't even know he was involved in the boston tea party i couldn't have told you who he really was yeah i, just I don't know knew he owned, i knew he owned a horse the british are coming the british are coming yeah that's literally well, all i knew and then i think i've heard he was in the only person who did that and wasn't really the most successful at sharing that information there was somebody else another writer i think i've heard yeah. that several times so yeah not a whole lot but i knew one if by land two if i see that didn't help like, me as a citizen like this should be part of our schooling that we not only learn that paul revere said the british are coming but who the fuck was paul revere yeah they just don't want us to know it's things. the chair it's the cherry picking 
Another interesting orchestrator of the Boston Tea Party was Benedict Arnold. And when I saw his name pop up, I'm like, isn't he the guy who became a traitor? Like, literally a term for that. Sure. Benedict Arnold really gives some strong Kavanaugh vibes. <laughs> some, some really strong Brett Kavanaugh vibes. Ye old squee. <laughs> so history.com notes, quote, on September 21st, 1780, during the American Revolution, American General Benedict Arnold meets with British Major John Andre to discuss handing over West Point to the British. In return for the promise of a large sum of money and a high position in the British Army. <laughs> 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 like, like this movie just reads like, we'll pay off your credit card and mortgage debt for a spot yeah. on the Supreme Court, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Like, if we believe in, like, reincarnation, <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh is like Benedict but also, let's be honest, it also gives some strong Trump vibes as well. Yeah. <laughs> History.com elaborates a bit further by saying, quote, Arnold had enemies within the military, and in 1777, five men of lesser rank were promoted over him. Over the course of the next few years, Arnold married for a second time, and he and his new wife lived a lavish lifestyle in Philadelphia, accumulating substantial debt. And the debt and the resentment that Arnold felt over not being promoted faster were motivating factors in his choice to become a turncoat, end quote. Fascinating. There's nothing different from today. <laughs> I read that too when I read Trump. Yeah, oh yeah. He was in such, I mean, he's always been in financial he's trouble. Poor. But Trump he's poor. so used to living this ridiculous, obnoxious life. And yeah. here, we'll come in and help you with that. Oh, so yeah, I just, holy shit. It's like mind blown really honest. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Also worth noting that not everyone was a fan of the acts done by the Sons of Liberty with the Boston Tea Party, including Washington and Franklin. I'm sure other people thought of, it really gives strong January 6th vibes as well. I mean, granted theirs was a little bit better orchestrated doing it at night and like making sure nobody was there to harm them. But like... <laughs> The whole idea of just doing this one thing and thinking it's going to disrupt stuff and turn it around to whatever. Now, if only the people on January 6th would have just thrown some Red Bulls or something into the Constitution Gardens pond, it would have really been (laughs) a lot there and maybe not all that violence and murder, you know? Who are the people who promote the Tea Party movement today. While the organizations who have outreach programs to get people aligned with this concept of the Tea Party movement are the people and the corporations that this movement is supposedly against. And that's the mind-blowing thing, is how can misinformation cause that? I, I just... It blows my mind. And that's something that, I mean, I'm, I know we're going to be like figuring out more, but you have people that argue, listen, we don't think anyone should have to pay taxes. That's the point of the, the Tea Party movement. Nobody should have to pay taxes. I would just say that this only hurts people who aren't rich. And that's the part they're missing. Like what taxes actually go to? Corporations are going to sell products regardless of whether or not they're being taxed. You're going to buy shit because that's who we are. 
we're just consumers and their revenue will always go up regardless of whether or not they're taxed. Getting rid of taxes is getting rid of any social services that help those in need and also, you know, pay for things like social security and public education, which, you know, things rich people don't give a shit about. That's where it boggles my mind. You know, at the same time, um, during the revolution, there was the development of this notion of the community chest, which is pretty new. And that's where our modern nonprofits are, what are the, the, the nonprofit engine comes from. I'm so glad you're pointing out this notion of like rich people not thinking they don't need to pay taxes. And actually our tax structure supports that. Yeah. Um, it's why a lot of truly rich people have private family foundations, truly profitable corporations have. We'll be getting to the foundations too, because oh. the Koch brother foundations, holy shit, Koch brothers, whatever. But, but they think that it's like, well, I don't want someone else telling me how this money should be spent. Just the mere notion that I've amassed this money or that I'm like in this different class, like I should be the one who's telling who decides how this money is being spent. You know, the way that you're framing this is so interesting because I've heard people say like everyone in America thinks they're a millionaire. It's just the poor people in America think we're just temporarily inconvenienced millionaires. Like one day we're going to be millionaires. And we want to make sure that there's all of these things, all of these safety nets for us once we get there. And we'll give back. We'll give back in the way that we want. Like, is that something that wealthy people do? Is that maybe a sign that you're in that mind class where, well, I don't need to pay taxes. I'll charitably give people money as I see fit. But that goes back to that notion of control. Yeah. It's not about being a part of a system. It's not about being a part, like going with the flow and like acknowledging <laughs> yes. the need of the group and the blah, actual blah, blah. basis of this country <laughs> or supposed, sure. you know, the idealized I, basis of this country, I should say. Um, no, it's just about like, no, I get to tell, I get to be what Santa to Claus. Do without uh, yeah. people telling me what to do. Yeah, yeah. What you said. That is also manifest destiny. <laughs> yeah. It's just a different mask, you know? Uh, is the Tea Party movement still active? I guess I don't really know that. Okay, so that's why I'm looking into this, is when you look at all of these, when you see the propaganda out there from the far right, mm -hmm. it comes from all of these organizations that are like, ugh. well, and also too, got to connect the fact that the Sons of Liberty with the okay. Oath Keepers yeah, because I'm wondering, that's what I'm wondering now is like, has the Tea Party movement sort of effectively, maybe that was the last pretend manifestation of a somewhat civil, like a outwardly civil political party, like where they're actually engaging in some kind of discourse or some kind of discussion, because I... now there's this GQP party of just batshit crazy. Well, they're, they're the Tea Party, like they see themselves as the Tea Party. Interesting. I guess I really didn't touch on that, but what led me to, actually I did, the whole point was yeah. when I said like, oh, we need to look at the Boston Tea Party because all of these foundations that are started by these people like the Koch brothers, mm -hmm. they're all based on this concept of being part of the Tea Party movement. They're the ones who created this Tea Party movement to get people behind them not having to pay taxes. Right. They felt like, oh, this is, you know, this is coming. So again, where that big contradiction is, the people who have created these foundations and this agenda, they are the British East Indian mm -hmm. Company. And 
the people who are those colonists who dumped all that tea aren't getting that they're working for the British East India Company. Do you know what I mean? No, That's sure. It's like, what the fuck? And why we're, we're talking about what we're talking about? Because it doesn't make sense. And this is why I said, clearly, they really figured it out when they said, all we have to do is spread misinformation. It clearly is effective. The rise of that with the defunding of education, it all links together. So that's this week's episode. We are out of time, but (laughs) obviously there's more to discuss. And Paul and I will have um, a little bit further of a discussion over on Patreon for our extended episode. But tune in next week for another episode of United States of Lead. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.